Oh, tuna melt. <gasps> Uh-oh. Today is Thursday, January 27th, 2022, and it's time for the Barnhart Podcast. We are at episode 165, and I am proud to announce, Anne, I am part of the 99.97%. Well done, sir. You survived. I, I knew. I knew you'd come through. I, I knew you'd make it through. Well done. No, I wasn't talking so you, I wasn't talking about catching coof, which I did. I'm talking about the percentage of people who are to- thoroughly disgusted and turned off by Harry and Megan's podcast. Ah, well, well, have they even delivered one yet? That's, I don't know. That's, that's my whole thing. As I understood the reportage for the listenership, if you didn't see this, apparently, I mean, I think everybody remembers that it was, it had to, it was Spotify, right? Spotify gave them some massive, massive contract. Like, you know, Joe Rogan, they gave Joe Rogan, what, a hundred million? Um, I think they gave Harry and Megan $30 million to do a podcast on Spotify, right? <laughs> and I don't think that Harry and Megan have yet delivered a podcast to the point that there was reportage this week that Spotify has finally, you know, thrown up their hands and said, look, we're, we gave you $30 million. We're going to put our people on this and our producers are going to do it and um it's been like two years guys you need to you need to deliver something here and i'm looking at this and i'm thinking to myself how how boring and uninteresting and intellectually uncurious and vacuous do you have to be (laughs) To not, to, okay, all Spotify is asking these people to do is to like carry on a conversation (laughs) for like 45 minutes once or twice a week. How, how stupid and vacuous and uninteresting do you have to be to not be able to carry on a conversation. <laughs> so, I'll tell you what, if they want to hit on their hands, what they need to do is bring in Piers Morgan as the third third wheel on that podcast to uh, help help keep the conversation going. Well, I, apparently, they, I mean, <laughs> anyone could do, well, maybe not anyone could do it. Maybe they are that dumb. But I mean, but and also think about what a fraud you are if you take $30 million from a company and then don't deliver something that that literally, and I can testify to this, that you can do in your pajamas at any hour of the day and night, in your house, traveling on the road, absolutely anything. I'm podcasting. Now, now no, not taking anything away from SuperNerd. But podcasting is just about one of the easiest things in the world to do um, in terms of the actual um, making of the podcast, as Super Nerd and I are doing right now in this very moment. The easy part is having the conversation. The All of the work that goes along with the podcast is Super Nerds doing the post-production, you know, depending on how many times I say things that Mother Abbess would, you know, it would offend her pious ears and 
super nerd has to edit or you know put a sound effect over something that i say or one of us slips and calls somebody who's um operating under a gnome de guerre by their by their actual proper name and that has to be covered up or edited out or something and then putting in putting in the the uh intro music and the outro music i mean that's the work I, I, I don't even consider this work. I mean, you know, super nerd, you know, we get on, we get on clean feed as we've been doing now for goodness, over four years, super nerd and I have a conversation. And now of late, we have nurse Claire, we have Vanessa Juessa, we have um, Dr. Beep, we have all these people. And that, I mean, that's just awesome too. But we, tonight- we, even, we get uh, Dr. Maza on once in a while. We get yeah, Mark, Dr. Mark but not after dark. Mark, Mark, not after dark, non-Vinny Mark, not after dark. Um, absolutely. So, I mean, we've got all this ability to do these things now. This is actually, we were just talking about this in the warm-up. This is the first OG, um, just super nerd nigh episode that we've done in a long time. And for the like the first three and a half years, it was all just the two of us. But seriously, you, you, can't, you can't have a conversation about current events in the most interesting times, and I mean that in the Chinese curse sense of the word, in the most interesting times in human history, you, you can't have a 45 minute conversation with your spouse, with your spouse as the other person that you're having the conversation with. And then yeah, presumably you would bring in a, a third and you've got 30 million to work with. You could bring in, you could bring in the ghost of Dick Clark if you wanted to for that kind of money. I mean, good heavens. It's just it's just unbelievable. And, you know, I'd like to take this opportunity to say to Spotify right now, you know, hit me up. I will take three million and I will deliver a podcast for for Spotify. But it's a package deal with me and Super Nerd. So address address all um, offers to Super Nerd at supernerdmedia.com. For, uh, the email address is Spotify at supernerdmedia.com. <laughs> Spotify at supernerdmedia.com. Yeah, I can carry on conversations. Yeah, I, I could carry on a conversation six days a week. I could do it six days a week. No problem. There's plenty to talk about. Always is, and frankly, there always will be. So I, I just had to get that off my chest. Just the in, the infuriating, just grift and the the anti-meritocracy that we live in that these these people he he's famous only because of the circumstances of his birth and we aren't even sure about what that is to be perfectly honest his his family as as publicly acknowledged being his family are a bunch of absolute degenerates as it's now being revealed he's a doofus and she's she's a prostitute. She's a brain dead Hollywood prostitute who can't even carry on a conversation. This and they just oh, put out their hand and you know, here's 30 million. Uh, but you know, I'm remembering um, what is it? Is it it's the introit of a mass? Which mass is it? It's somebody is it many martyrs? It might be many martyrs, and it's the be not emulous of evildoers, and you know, 
don't be jealous of, of bad people and their their wealth and all that. The, the, the truth of the matter is, is if, 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 for example, someone were to drop seven figures in cash in my lap, it would probably be the worst thing that ever happened to me. It would probably be the complete undoing of me. Um, living pseudo off the grid or quasi off the grid as I do is, is a blessing beyond compare. And I don't think, I don't think I'd want anything to do with that, that amount of money at this point. It would, it would only, it would only cause trouble. Isn't that a rap song, Super Nerd? You're the rap aficionado from your, from your Navy days. Oh yeah, for uh, shizzle. Mo, 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 mo money, mo problems or something like that. Right. I, I couldn't tell you who did it, but yeah, that, that is the, uh, that is the rap, yeah. It, it is true. There is truth in that. Mo money, mo problems. Hey, maybe that's the show title right there. <laughs> I, think, I, I think I'd pay off my debts, get a get a get something with a little more land, a little further out from the city, um, and then once I've got all the necessaries paid off, just put it all in Bitcoin. Ooh, high risk, my friend. High risk. <laughs> when the electricity goes off, you ain't got nothing. Remember the Barnhart axiom: if you can't if you can't stand in front of it holding your AR and physically defend it, then it's not yours and it probably never was. And boy, Bitcoin is a big red flag given the Barnhart axiom. Well, I know you're, I know you're more of a professional basketball fan than professional football, but I do want to mention this in context. Uh, earlier this year, there was a character, um, Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, he, he went to LSU. I've got my LSU Tiger shirt on so I can mention him. But um, he, he was signed by the Los Angeles Rams for $750,000 and he opted to take it all in Bitcoin. And that he he had that contract signed and was paid at, at when Bitcoin was at sixty seven thousand per Bitcoin and now it's at like thirty seven thousand. And oh. after you figure the tax, considering LA City tax, California yep. state tax, somebody estimated that once you figure all of the the, the taxation, he's gonna end up making about what a high school PE teacher makes. Yep. This is a professional football player. Now, yes, the 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 people who are, are the the Bitcoin maximalists will say, but 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 he didn't lose anything because he didn't sell it. He still has eleven point three bitcoins. True, and he's probably made enough over his career that he can effectively take no money and still pay taxes on it this year because he's probably going to get signed for a whole bunch of money next year. But in in terms of uh, putting it all in Bitcoin, that's very very much tongue in cheek. Even though I will accept Bitcoin donations because I can pay for things like. Um, uh, the, the, the hosting for the website and domain names mm-hmm. and things like that. I use it more. I, I'm not investing in it to keep it forever. It's more of a fungible thing or something that's emphasized the fun in, in tracking things. <laughs> uh, so for example, if you are a podcasting 2.0, um, type person and you, you have, you have your, your podcasting 2.0 app set up with the streaming sats wallet, this podcast you're listening to right now can accept streaming sats payments. So it, it's it's not something that um, I've seriously. Even, yeah, it, it is. We I set it up. Um, uh, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I, I set up half of it. Um, a friend of mine who probably should remain unnamed for for just tactical reasons uh, is hosting the the the, um, the lightning server that that the the, the Bitcoin would flow to. Mm-hmm. And I've got it set up so that anything that comes in, we're splitting that 50-50 at this point, simply because it's it's a fun experiment to see what happens. And for the, the bigger podcasts that actually have a lot of people doing this, what, what's interesting about this is that you can see uh, statistics, essentially, when people are listening. And uh, if you've got one of the little umbral servers, which is one of the, 
Uh, it's a, it's a lightning server you can build on on a with a Raspberry Pi. You can set it up so that it actually makes noise when when um, people do uh, boost donations or or streaming sats. So you can actually see so, it in so real time. So just for the listenership, um, correct me if I'm wrong. I remember you explaining this. At people who are enabled for this, as they're listening to a podcast, if somebody says something that they like. They like hit they hit a button and it gives fifty cents or something like that. Is that roughly what we're talking about here? Yeah, it's called a boost, and you can configure how many sats you want to you want to uh, boost at that point. A lot of people will set leave the defaults at like a hundred or whatever. Some people will crank it up to ten thousand, which is I think three bucks. I, I haven't looked it up in a while, so I don't know what it is. But the the idea is if we make something really poignant. Um, that, that you just really resonates with it and you're like, yeah. And so what you could do is you can just hit your boost button on the, on the, um, on the podcasting app at that point. And, you know, through Bitcoin magic and lightning, it all passes through. Now what's going to happen with all this? I think, I think the statistics and the, the piping of real time value is, is far more interesting than the Bitcoin aspect of it. And the infrastructure that's being set up, this is all brand new within the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe two years. I, I think the, I think the, the the streaming payments is something that that's brand new in the last year and a half. And this is all the brainchild of Adam Curry, who invented bod- podcasting in the first place, and then after watching it stagnate for the last fifteen years, said we got to fix this. And what they found out very quickly was that by extending the attributes of podcasting, uh, a whole lot of players who were on the sideline who wanted to do all this development but couldn't because it would be seen as a a company that does podcast hosting, for example, or in an app that has a, a financial interest in, in doing something, it, it would look avaricious from their perspective. So to have somebody who is neutral to all of that, who actually invented podcasting to begin with, come forward and say, here's what we're proposing. All of a sudden, years of innovation that have been you know bottled up are suddenly flowing through. And, and the, the idea of being able to do uh, splits on this. For example, I mentioned that my friend who's, who's hosting the Lightning server for the streaming sats, I've got it set up so it's 50-50. If we wanted to do it, we could say, say um, 25% to me, 25% to Ann, 25% to the Lightning server, and the last 25% split between Mark After Dark and Vanessa and Nurse Claire, or however we want to set this up. The whole idea of splits here, if, if there's anybody listening who's familiar with the music industry, the idea of being able to define your splits at an episode level, for example, think about uh, somebody recording a, a music album. You've got splits defined for whoever wrote the songs, as well mm-hmm. as whoever's performing, uh, the session musicians who are in there. You could record an album, distribute it over um, a, a pay-for-play. I don't know. Actually, I don't know if there are any pay-for-play apps that are like this, but you could do this, where it's all you know Bitcoin-enabled streaming sats. So the idea is as you play it, every time you play it, you're streaming payment and the splits are being executed in real time to all the people who were involved and need to be paid. There's no RIAA in the middle. There's no MPAA on all this Buddhist Stempra and all the rest of the, the characters. And I wanted to say a word that other apps wouldn't like uh, mm-hmm. who, who get in the middle and line their pockets. The record labels, basically. Yeah. The record labels who get rich and leave um, leave leave the, uh, the, the, the performers destitute. Uh, poor prince poor prince oh, yeah. he 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 drugged himself to death before he could see cuz this was his thing that's why he did that weird thing where he started going by a symbol instead of his name that all had to do with a fight over royalties with warner brothers or something and yeah this is this is this was kind of his his crusade and his deal and it's a shame that he like i said he killed himself and didn't live to see it 
Yep. And in terms of you know, ha having a super popular podcast and um, monetizing it through through Spotify, I don't know if you saw recently, but some old washed up hippie musician demanded that Spotify either remove Joe Rogan from their platform or remove him. Uh, well, <laughs> Joe Rogan, <laughs> Joe Rogan is worth about four billion dollars to Spotify. When they announced the deal to have uh, have Rogan exclusive on Spotify, Spotify's stock price or market capitalization went up four billion dollars. No way. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And and well, a um, hundred million was a was a bargain for them then. <laughs> yeah, and, and unlike Harry and, and Megan, he actually puts out podcasts. It's like three or four or five a week. I mean, it, yeah. it's, this is something that he didn't intend to really do as a profession. It was it was sort, somewhat sort of a lark. He's mm -hmm. among other things, he's a stand up comic. So the idea of doing a podcasting, it's just another form of improvisation and. Um, it's a different kind of improvisation where you're interviewing somebody, but it's long he's form. An, he's he's the best interviewer. He's in a my very opinion, good one. on the scene. He, I mean, he asks good questions and then sits there and listens and keeps his mouth shut and lets people develop ideas. I th I think he's great in in that in that sense. And what what were the stats? Didn't the Malone, the Doctor Malone interview? Fifty million people heard that. I mean, that's that's a sixth, one sixth of the of the U.S. population heard that podcast. That's just astounding. But here's here's my question. OK, hypothetically, if if you and I we're not going to do this, but if you and I went on to some sort of a service like that, I don't think very many people would pay to listen to this. I, I don't think that as a condition of listening to it, walking in the door that you had to pay for it, I think I think the audience, the listenership would drop by 90 some odd percent. I don't think hardly anyone would pay going in the door to listen to this podcast. So I, in a certain sense, I really don't see how, I mean, you've got a Rogan who's got good guests and, and you know, does a really, <laughs> that sounded bad. We're going to have to edit that because that sounded like, that sounded like, you know, I was, I was, um, you know, being nasty to, to non-Venny Mark and Nurse Claire and Dr. Beep and, and so on. No, that's not what I mean. I mean, no, they're not know, guests, they're co-hosts. They're, they're kind of co-hosts. Yeah. And, you know, you've got, you know, somebody like Dr. Malone come on and, and drop the bomb on, on the the corona putsch or something like that i mean that's that's just massive that's massive um although I, since rogan went to spotify i have listened to exactly three podcasts and it's it's every time adam curry is on i will put spotify back on my phone i'll listen to that one episode and then i'll delete it off my phone as yeah. a matter of principle i refuse to listen to his his podcast now because, well it's a misnomer to even call it a podcast because by definition a podcast a is publicly available on the internet through an RSS feed, which is a dialect of XML, meaning that there's no encumbrance. You can use any app you want to listen to it. And yes, Spotify can subscribe to podcasts. In fact, you could listen to this podcast on Spotify, but that's kind of a bastardization because um, Spotify is a walled garden. You can't get the Joe Rogan show legally, officially, without getting the, the, the Spotify app. And listening to it that way so that that's that's one reason I, I don't like the the way rogan is gone but he is popular enough that let's just say for the sake of argument that spotify said okay we're getting rid of rogan we're gonna let um whoever the hippie was that that made a made a threat neil young neil young 
Right. That guy. <laughs> the, 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 that guy. And the, the number one question when this news broke during the past week that Neil Young gave the ultimatum to Spotify. The number it's one question Joe, is who's, ne- who's Neil Young? Who, who's Neil Young? And then anyone who knew who Neil Young was, their question was, is he still alive? <laughs> so, exactly. It's just, it's ridiculous. But but here's the thing that I don't understand. I, I don't have Spotify. I don't have any of these things. I don't have cable. But you know what? We see and hear all of the juicy bits of all, all of these podcasts or all of these, um, you know, cable news shows. If anything of any significance or importance happens, it shows up in clips on the internet. There's all kinds of clips of the Joe Rogan podcast all over, you know, publicly visible Twitter and you know, I get I get emails from people saying, you know, oh, be sure be sure to watch this clip, blah, blah, blah. So it isn't even like it's it's behind. It's not really behind a paywall completely because people just take the good parts and turn them into turn them into clips that everyone can watch for free. And at that point, I'm thinking, why would you why would you pay for something when you can get all the juicy bits for free? And it's the same thing with cable. Why, why in the world do you need cable? If Tucker Carlson says something that's particularly interesting or amazing or, or even controversial, well, I mean, within minutes, it's all over the internet. The clip is all over the internet, and I don't have to sit there and watch all the other stuff that I have no interest in, much less watch commercials, much less be paying for cable television, which I refuse to do anyway. I so I mean I'm still fuzzy as to how what, what the how, how the revenue generation and all of this works. Well, and one big difference is if Tucker Carlson says something, the whole clip, the whole, the whole show or the relevant part of the clip ends up on YouTube. Exactly, and that's fine. And Fox probably has more viewers through YouTube than they have through Fox, possibly. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. the stats there, but. Tucker Carlson's what a half hour show? Maybe it's a one hour show. I, I think it's an as, hour. As opposed to the standard Rogan podcast, which is three hours long. Mm-hmm. I mentioned listening to the last time Adam Curry was on, and then I saw the clips that they put on the the JRE clips on on YouTube. It's it's a one tenth at best uh, approximation of what was discussed, and in my opinion, the juiciest and best parts weren't ever discussed. In fact, Adam was talking about the whole idea of podcasting 2.0 on Spotify. <laughs> On on a captive platform that is paying Joe Rogan to not truly be a podcast, and right. and I thought that was one of the more, um, not well, I guess subversive in a way. But Adam wasn't trying to be edgy, and and he wasn't trying to throw a contextual middle finger at, at Spotify. He was just pointing out that if if for some reason Joe Rogan were to have to leave Spotify or left Spotify, he could be set up on one of these platforms that does the uh, podcasting 2.0 streaming platform. And if he had no commercials, it was all just listener supported, depending upon who came on and what kind of interview they were doing, you just leave it up to you know the, the whole idea of the value for value proposition. Whatever you think it's worth, send that in. And for example, the interview that, that Rogan did with um, Jack Dorsey, his um, HR goon lawyer that was there to make sure he didn't say something stupid, and Tim Poole. I would have donated 20 or 50 bucks if it was straight value for value. But the fact that there are commercials on it, it's like, ah, it's covered. I don't have to pay for it. That was such a good interview and such a good insight to the lack of coherence of what's going on at Twitter. 
and and Tim Poole asking Jack Dorsey questions. Jack saying, we don't do that. It's like, I have screenshots right here. Do you want me to show mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm. And it's like, and, and of course, at that point, the corporate lawyer is like, okay, well, I'll follow with you, with you about on that one afterwards. That was just such a great in your face, Jack. You've got no clue what's happening at Twitter. And it was really entertaining and insightful. That's the kind of thing I'd give money to listen to again. Yeah. And and when you when you open it, if the content is good enough, then people will pay for it, whether it's through Spotify listening to ads or just straight up, hey, if this was worth, you know, you know, let's say this is an hour and a half podcast and, and uh, the standard movie now is an hour and a half. What would you pay going to the movie theater to watch a movie? Is this at least as entertaining? Figure out what you, what you would have spent going to a movie and send that as a donation. And I think it could also work the other way. Um, just he, seeing things around over over the years that that Rogan has been podcasting, I see a lot of people make remarks about, "Oh man, this that episode, this last episode wasn't very good." Um, he 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 was sto- he was smoking pot or something, and he was stoned, and he sounded stoned. And so I think it would provide a really good feedback mechanism. Um, to guys like Rogan and then who's the other one who, oh, who's Adam Curry's co-host? Doesn't he sound drunk sometimes or something? Uh, John C. Dvorak. He's, he's a big reason why I can't listen to that show anymore. The other big, Mm. the other reason is it's so long and, and, um, in terms of the, the features of podcasting 2.0, that's a, that's a podcast that you, you definitely, uh, want to take advantage of the chapters feature. When I do listen to no agenda, I, I will listen either either on a desktop browser or an app that supports chapters so I can look at what they're talking about and saying, I don't care about that, that, that topic. I don't care about that topic. Let me go listen to that one and, mm-hmm. and then listen through. So I, you can quickly skip through three and a half hours of content in half an yeah, hour. If, if you don't care if, about the rest of the, it. If the host is, is stoned and is not doing a good job, then one would think that their revenue on that episode, given this podcasting 2.0, idea would would drop precipitously it's a great it's a great method of feedback and they have mentioned that um independent of and i'm talking about they being the the no agenda show it's a very meta podcast tonight talking about podcasting um they 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 definitely mentioned that the whole moniker of if this is worth something then send it to you or send send it in as a donation and they have mentioned Mm -hmm. hey we our donations really dropped off after the last segment i guess people don't really care to hear about such and such or whatever Mm -hmm. and when Dvorak starts talking about wine and cooking, hey, they get more donations specifically saying, hey, that's cool to, t- to hear about that. I want to hear more about that. Um, you know, the, to me, with the No Agenda show, some of the, the the podcasts that have been the most interesting to me is to hear two, and I just became aware of the fact that I'm speaking really fast. I'm trying to slow down. But one of the aspects of that show that I find really interesting is that these are two media professionals who know how the sausage is made and they dissect and break down and expose how news stories are put together. And it's not just their opinion. They'll play the clips of what's actually said on an MSNBC art um, news piece. And then they'll play the raw video or the, the raw audio feed from something. And it's 180 degrees out of phase of what MSNBC said it was mm-hmm. or talk to eyewitnesses who were there. And it's that dissection of how media is used as propaganda, how the sausage mm-hmm. is made, how it's presented to have the complete antidote to understand, well, it's complete BS. And here's how you can tell as a listener, this kind of goes along with, um, somebody sent me and I'm in, we could probably put these in the show notes. Actually, uh, father Ripperger put out a, a three part 
lecture recently on um, brainwashing, how it works and how to counteract it. And it really overlaps. If you've been listening to No Agenda for any length of time, you're going to understand that uh, one of the essential parts here is is being in contact with reality. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's the, the the first of the three episodes. Was, it was titled "What Is Truth," and the whole concept being is if you don't have that concept of of how truth works, that the idea you have about a thing, if it doesn't correspond with reality, then you don't have truth in your mind. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you're listening to the news media and saying, hey, COVID is causing deaths and, and bodies are piling up all over the place, and you believe that, then you're believing something that does not correspond with reality. Right. Or you hear that um, we're having a, a pandemic of the unvaccinated or whatever nonsense baloney they're, they're saying these days. If mm-hmm. you believe the media, well, first off, that's a problem. But if you believe the media, yeah. then you've got a disconnect between what your conception of reality is and what the reality actually is. And as someone pointed out in our little chat room group that we have amongst ourselves, um, our Lord himself is reality. The second person of the Well, the, the Godhead himself is reality. And we are reminded of this after almost every at the end of almost every mass when a uh, traditional latin mass when the prologue to saint john's gospel is recited it's the very last thing that happens in the mass and it you know how does that how does that open in in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god okay the word logos that's that's reality that's truth that's logic it's all of that and so when you realize what that 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 the prologue to saint john's gospel is addressing exactly this it's addressing reality and and who exactly and what exactly reality is and it's our lord you see why the infiltrators, one of the first things they did is they said, the last gospel has to go. So, you know, uh, you, 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 when people come over from the Novus Ordo and you explain to them that at every, almost every mass, that this exact same gospel is read at the end of every mass, a lot of them are just kind of shocked by that. Like, why would you do that? Well, n- now we know we're living through exactly the reason why that's there and why that was added. What it was was um, way, way, way back, the the priests, the priest would recite that to himself, would pray the prologue to St. John's Gospel to himself as he was processing out. And then they realized that we just need to go ahead and and codify this into the liturgy itself and it needs to be said at the altar um and so that's where it came from so you say well that that was an innovation well it was formally added i I, and i don't know when but it was formally added you know way 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 back it's been there for a long time but there was a point before even earlier when it was just silently prayed as the priest was processing out of the sanctuary and into presumably, you know, a sacristy somewhere. Um, and that's the same thing with the with the prayers at the foot of the altar at the beginning of the mass. That at the very, very, very beginning, that, what is it, Psalm... 42. 42. Psalm 42, they would pray that as they were 
as they were processing in. And then, you know, very, very, very early on, someone said, okay, we need to just codify this and put this in the mass, and this will be the prayers at the foot of the altar, and this will be the first thing that happens in the mass. And so, yeah, but back to the point about reality. And, you know, you is it a coincidence that the church in the Novus Ordo in 1970 cuts out the proclamation, this, this statement of the, the concept of reality itself, cuts that out of the mass, and then everybody in the world, in the, in the post-Christian West, simultaneously, instantly, in, in historical terms, you know, time is measured differently in historical terms than it is in, in the context of, you know, day-to-day -day life. But historically speaking, instantly, the entire post-Christian West simultaneously becomes completely disconnected from reality. Is that a coincidence? I think not. So, and, you know, yeah. I've been going to the, the traditional Latin Mass my entire life, and I've never quite thought about it in the terms you just put that. The last thing that happens in the Mass is a recapitulation of reality in total. Yep. It's the last, you, you were just present at a bending of space and time. You were present mm -hmm. at Calvary. You were present at a ceremony that recapitulated all of time from the, from the Garden of Eden, which is the prayers at the foot of the altar, mm -hmm. through the end of time with, with the, the consummation of, of the, 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 the with, with communion, really. And yep. this is more explicitly in high relief in, in, the, in the solemn mass. But what's the last thing the the liturgy gives you before you mass is over and you go back out outside the church to the 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 real world in air quotes? It's mm -hmm. a recapitulation of reality as it actually is. Yep. And so the, before the, you go back out to fantasy world, this is reality. Est. Go, yeah, yep, yep. We're sending we're sending you out now, but just one more time before you walk out that door before you leave, just a reminder: here's reality. Uh, yep, exactly. Well put, well put. And that, I'm, another little uh, collective uh, rant that we all have, and I'm speaking for several people here now, is that when you go um, to a traditional Latin mass, and, you know, I can say the, the last gospel, I have it memorized. I mean, you go to mass every day, and, I mean, eventually this, this stuff sinks in and you memorize it, even if you're old like I am, you know, you're, you're, you're still able to, to memorize something if, if you do it basically every day, if you say it every day. Um, I can say the last gospel from memory, and I, and I do, I say it silently with the celebrant. And there, there are times occasionally when a priest where, you know, I'm, I'm halfway through and I say it fast, and if and he is already at the end, and he's doing the genuflection at the at verbum carofactum est, um, and I, that always bothers me. Um, if, I, I know there are at least a few priests that listen to this podcast. Fathers, do not, do not skimp on the last gospel. For the reason that that super nerd just brilliantly articulated and another thing i think i would like to point out and i don't think that i'm putting words in our lord's mouth here um he i think he really loves to hear us say it 
because it's one of it's one of the most beautiful pieces of prose that was ever written. Um, you know, inspired by the Holy Ghost as it was, but clearly through the writing style of Saint John, because you know John has a very beautiful poetic um, not florid isn't the right word but just a more poetic style whereas saint paul has you know big run-on sentences and very more intellectually lofty and so forth he was a jewish doctor and he writes like one he writes like a jewish doctor and and saint john writes like a poet which is why his emblem is an eagle. It's said that St. John's prose just soars. And he writes does. like somebody who rested his head literally on the yeah. heart of Christ. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He is the beloved disciple. Um, and so I, I think that there you are at the end of the Mass. The priest is certainly just made a sacramental communion by definition. That um, It's not a Mass unless the priest makes a sacramental communion. But, you know, all of us have potentially just made a sacramental communion as well. And even if we haven't, if, even if we just made a spiritual communion, I have to believe that our Lord loves to hear us say those words. He loves to hear us, you know, uttering those words, describing him, who he is, um, his incarnation, the fact that he created everything. Um, and now it in clearly so it can be understood. Yeah, well, I mean, the people, we the faithful who are in the nave, as we have as we have pointed out many times on the podcast, I think people in the nave should largely remain silent. But you can you can pray every single word of the mass. In fact, that's a very very worthwhile and holy thing to do if you if you have your hand missile and you want to go ahead and go through and silently pray every word of the mass move your lips by all means but please do it uh, the musical term is sotto voce you know under 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 the voice or whispering you know not you're not uh proclaiming it aloud with the priest because it's only for the priest to proclaim it aloud um but i whenever i make a sacramental communion and i'm saying the last gospel i'm i'm whispering it to our lord because he's he's still physically substantially present inside my body at that point. He's he's sitting at the top of my stomach, which is just underneath my heart. That That is where our Lord is. When you make a sacramental communion for those first, they, the church says roughly 15 minutes, he's, he's sitting at the top, on the top, at the top part of your stomach, which is just underneath your heart. Your liver is on the right side of your body, your stomach is on the left side of your body, and your stomach is just underneath your heart. Basically so, in the geographical center of of the being. The stomach, or? No, the, the top of the stomach right below the heart. Well, okay, not the, not the geographical center, but I'm thinking of the torso as being the body, per se. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe that's because oh, I'm 90% yeah, yeah. torso, but whatever. Yeah, so, I mean, he's right, he's right there. He's snuggling up against your heart, and you're whispering this to him, as he is physically substantially inside of your body and i i just really have to think that that makes him happy and gives him pleasure if you will allow the very very crude and imprecise um theologically imprecise description of the immutable godhead um (laughs) experiencing fluctuating states of of 
pleasure and happiness. You know what I mean. Um, I think everybody knows what I mean. I think I think he wants us to recite it, especially when he's sacramentally inside of us. Your annoyance at priests who do the last gospel too fast or parts of the mass too fast. It makes me think, you know, as a dad who has kids who we pray the rosary and anytime one of the kids prays their part too fast and just rushes through it, I say, stop, do it again slower. Mm -hmm. And I emphasize to them, if you go too fast, it's going to take longer because I'm going to make you say it again. (laughs) Yeah. But there's also the, the aspect talking about the mass, the priest is an altar Christus. You should be imitating Christ, not just in saying the mass, but think about if Christ wanted to rush this whole thing of, of, of salvation, he would have, it would have been accomplished at the circumcision and that would have been it. That would have been the, then he would have ascended to heaven and it would have been done. Yep. Which would have been sufficient. Yep. Theologically, but it would not have been sufficient for the love that God has for man. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. This was this was something that was drug out over time. Thirty three years is short if you especially if you live a long life. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't done at a rushed pace. And especially when you compare the pace of life in Judea at that time compared to life today, it was not rushed. Mm-hmm. And remember who who started it, who who began, who called the beginning of it. It was Our Lady at the wedding of Cana. It was, she was the one who called it and said, yep, go ahead. It's time, it's time to start. That was just uh, uh, two weeks ago. Second Sunday after Epiphany. Yep. Yep. That's right. And the feast of, um, the presentation is coming up on February 2nd. And that's kind of what we're talking about as well with regards to, um, well, the circumcision is of course on January 1. It's the octave day of Christmas, um, but there's also our Lord's presentation in the temple and all, you know, all of these things kind of swirl around together um, where, yeah, it, it, it really with his circumcision, that could have been it. That, that could have sufficed for everything. Oh, a number of theologians have said that just the, the shedding of blood at that point would have sufficed mm-hmm. infinitely for, for salvation. Of course. But infinity it would not have, is infinity. But yep. it, didn't, it didn't satisfy God's love. Mm-hmm. that he he wanted to prove his love so much that he literally wanted to shed every drop of blood and not as a baby, but as a full grown man. Yep. And so when you hear people and there's, you know, this is, this is happening sadly now, there are people who are publicly apostatizing and are saying just, just horrifically evil and blasphemous things. Like the fact, the fact that, our Lord went all the way to the cross is, is some sort of a horrific Catholic, um, uh, violent bloodlust God who, you know, um, you know, needed to have all of this horrific suffering and, and so on and so forth. And it's, it's really sad, but, but the thing that is, that is so clearly and obviously missing from these people who have fallen into this apostasy and are declaring that God's a monster and all this is they say, well, how do you explain this? And how do you explain that? And how do you explain the fact that if, if the infinity of the shedding of blood at his, at his circumcision, when he was eight days old is is enough, how do you explain all of this horrific violence and and so on and so forth? And it's so clear that these people don't, it doesn't even occur to them that the answer is love. And it, and I think if you sat down and tried to explain that to them, 
if they don't have any real personal sense of that, which is just horrific to think about, if, if, if you're a, a grown adult human being, married with children, et cetera, et cetera, and you have absolutely no thought or experience of love and how that could possibly map onto any of this, um, it's, it's terrifying. And then it circles back to our whole, you know, the, the whole diabolical narcissism thing. The, the definition of that is someone who is voluntarily, for whatever reason, at some point in their life, self-purgated love from their soul. And so you're talking about this and they, they're, not only do they not understand what you're saying, but they'll start saying things to you like, well, well, that's just a ridiculous platitude. You're, you're evading the question. If all, if the answer to everything, if the answer to every objection is just, is love, what, what does that even mean? How, how is that sufficient? And you're just like, if, if you don't know, I, I don't, I don't think I can, I can explain it. I, I don't think I can, I don't think there's anything that I or anyone else can say, um, any human being can say, that can really genuinely cause somebody who has no experience or understanding of love to, to have it. I, I, it's, it's, um, it's really sad. And that's, of course, that's where grace comes in. And that's another thing that is accused of being just some ridiculous platitude. Oh, you're talking about grace. You're talking about grace. I don't know what that is. Quantify it. How, how, how do you know that you have it? How do you know that you don't? <laughs> you're like, okay. I'm... And at that point, all you can do is, is pray. And uh, the, it's the drowning man syndrome. Don't let the drowning man drag you down too. So... To say what is love has to be something that someone would say when they've gone beyond asking what is truth and then deciding what's not not to care about the answer. And, and this goes back to I was talking about Father Ripperger's talk on 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 brainwashing. The very first uh, the the first lecture on this was was all about what is truth. Well, truth is about corresponding with you know what your idea thing with, with reality. It's to know, and to know something is the antecedent to be able to love. Exactly. And so if yep. you have if you have a philosophical defect and you're disconnected from reality, going back to the talking about the last gospel and that being a recapitulation of reality, if you are disconnected from reality, you are disconnected from the ability to love because you've turned mm -hmm. off the ability to know at that point. Yeah. Yep. And um, I think this is I know I've definitely made this point on the podcast before, but this goes especially for any younger people who are listening who might be, you know, not yet married and, you know, in in the courtship paradigm and so forth. A big red flag um, when you are courting with someone is if they have absolutely no curiosity about you. And you say, well, that's kind of narcissistic. No, 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 no. Think about what Super Nerd just said. And I think this is, I think um, Thomas Aquinas articulated this. In order to love something, you must first intellectually apprehend it. And the more you intellectually apprehend something, the more you have the capacity to love it, the more you love it, the more you want to know. And it's, a, it's just, it's an infinite feedback loop it's just a cycle it keeps going and going the more you love the more you want to know and the more you know the more you love and etc etc et so if you're courting somebody and they just have they never ask you anything about yourself 
They never, they have no interest in, for example, what you do for a living. They have no interest in your family history. They have no interest in anything about your life before the moment that they met you. Uh, <laughs> if, if they just don't have any interest in you and never ask you any questions about yourself, I'm not saying that you should expect, you know, just every conversation to be completely revolving around you yourself. But I do think that it is, it is essential that two people who are presumably going to fall in love and get married, both of them, it, the, what the courtship should be is about both of you intellectually apprehending each other, the other one. And if that's a, if that's a one way street, um, that's that's a huge red flag. Uh, don't don't tr don't fall into some sort of false modesty or false humility and say, well, you know, so and so never asked me any questions about myself. And oh, shucks, that's just because I'm not very interesting. And if 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 some if you love something, it's extremely interesting. And the more you, the more you love, the more interesting it gets. Um, so, just con a little conversely, if if there isn't that mutual interest and, I guess, fascination for each other, for lack of better terms, um, you know, there, there there needs to be, you know, the, the cliche is to marry your best friend. But uh. bear in mind, I mean, it's not to say whoever your best friend is, marry them. It's like if they can't be in that 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 league that realm of being your best friend then you might want to rethink something because first off you know to say well i don't need to worry about you know being best friends with my spouse well the kids will have the kids to take care of well that's not guaranteed of you especially in this age of the clot shot and and the yeah. possibility of everything being sterilized even secondhand um, that's not a guarantee that you're going to have children and just and even before that you know there are lots of young you would have presumed presumed fertile um, couples getting married who can't have kids. Um, but even if you do have kids, the time will come when they all move out, move out, grow up, move out, uh, hopefully if they're mature, um, and, and go out and do what they're supposed to do in their life. And you will be back to the point where it's the husband and wife in their older years. And if there wasn't anything there of mutual interest and excitement and yeah. friendship, what exactly are you going to do at that point? Well, I, I, I'll tell you what happens, you know, I'm 45 now, so I've got several decades of, you know, knowing, knowing enough people and crossing paths with enough people and seeing things. And, you know, like, just because I'm female and, you know, you tend to have, I, I suppose you would tend to have more conversations like this with other females. And I would like, when I was younger, I would ask women who were older and, and married, and I'd say, you know, well, what, what does your husband do for a living? And I, there are, I can think of several women that I met when I asked them that they said, oh, he works in an office. I don't know. And I, w I remember always just being absolutely floored by that. How can, how can you not know what your husband does, A, to put food on your table and a roof over your head, but B, how can you not know what he does just from, a, from, the, from the perspective that you're married to him. He's supposed to be your your best friend. You're supposed to be interested. No interest whatsoever. Oh, I don't know. He works in an office. He does something. I don't know. And then 
you, you further observation further observation going to your question okay kids have all grown up graduate from high school or graduate from college or whatever and what happens well let's see either she leaves or he's having an affair or or something like that and they end up getting divorced and you think to yourself well <laughs> um it's a combination of things. I've been, I've been lectured plenty of times by traditional Catholics that I have too much of a sentimental um, idea about marriage and all of this, and the whole the whole notion that you should be best friends with your spouse. And oh no, there's no historical precedence for this, and this is not what the church teaches. And uh, well, I'm sorry, but I, I've seen too many people who were who are married to each other, and it's clear that you know they probably got married because people people in you know a certain high school or a certain small town or whatever people tended to pair off in order of who is the most physically attractive you know basically so it was not uncommon for the captain of the football team to marry the homecoming queen slash captain of the cheerleading squad and and people would just pair off like that based upon physical attractiveness but they they weren't they weren't friends they really didn't have anything in common it was just that's what you did and i don't yes people didn't get divorced until the asteroid hit and you know the middle of the 20th century that's absolutely true but i also think that there were there were a heck of a lot of people who were in very very unhappy marriages too um and, and you know people wag their finger at me and this is a very good point that i because of the fact that i was born in the year the year of the reparation of human salvation 1976 that that gave me the ability to not to not get married if if i if it if, if i wasn't you know in love with my best friend and my best male friend wasn't in love with me well there you go um i have the ability to not be married which women up until basically the asteroid by and large didn't really have yeah there were you know old spinster school teachers and stuff like that but you know even the old spinster school teacher would have needed to have a family would end up you know being dependent upon siblings or something like that so uh, yeah it's it's a fraught it's a fraught topic but i still maintain that <laughs> obviously obviously the ideal is that um spouses would be would have a, a friendship and an interest in each other and uh not be in this completely detached bizarre i i don't know what my husband does nine hour nine ten hours a day i mean that's that's incredible to me i, I don't understand that at all and you went a slightly different direction with that than i thought you were going to go just the whole idea of getting married and then realizing that, you know, there's a bit of a mismatch there, but it, it made me think of the movie. I don't know if you ever saw it, Mississippi burning. And there's the character in there who is the wife of the KKK sheriff's deputy. And the, the deputy ends up going to jail and um, Gene Hackman's character asks her at, toward the, at the end of the movie, is he going to, or is she going to leave her husband? It's like, no, I'm I'm married to him. He's my husband, uh -huh. and right. and even though that may not have been the great you know the wisest idea, the expectation and I'm a I'm a girl of the South. We're I, I'm going to 
wait for him and yeah. and 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 stay. I mean, that's yeah. she's she's expressing a, a a statement of yeah. I realize all things being equal, if I had perfect hindsight, I would have made a different choice. But mm-hmm. you don't always have but that you in didn't. life. Yeah, but you didn't, and you're locked in to holy matrimony, and that's what um, anti Pope Bergoglio is on is on an absolute crusade against. Well, love and, and, fails. And I, I do. I do want to mention though in in that 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 scene though that we're, we're is toward the end of the movie. Like we're at, at the end of the movie. I, I, my first reaction to that is like, well, that's that's pretty pathetic and 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 uh, horrible that she has to accept that. But in thinking about, it, I was like, no, that's actually a very high form of love. And this is mm-hmm. talking about mm-hmm. a. They're not Catholics in this movie. They're it's, it's deep south. They're not Catholics, but mm-hmm. um, but even if you were in that situation, you have the grace of state, where yes. um, grace perfects nature. So in a situation like that, even if it is you know not all milk and honey and and mm-hmm. ro- roses and daisies and whatever platitudes and examples I can come up with here, just doing your state in life. Being faithful to to your your marriage vows, and and being there for your spouse, even if it's not nonstop joy, you mm-hmm. still have the the benefits of grace coming to you, yeah. which is a, a a massive consolation that we get get through the sacraments. And it was um, going back to what we talked about earlier the the first the first um, uh, the, the the first miracle was at Cana, the second week after, or the second second Sunday after Epiphany. Which, by the way, mark it on your calendars next next year, married couples. That's the Sunday where you split a bottle of wine with your spouse, because that was the first miracle. It was Aww. it was it was the turn, changing the water to wine at a wedding. Um, mm-hmm. the, the that that grace, the 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 wine of of the the spiritual graces, the sacramental graces of marriage, are always there and available to you. And mm-hmm. I forget which priest said this when, but talking about that particular miracle, it wasn't just that Christ changed water into wine. It was the volume of, of what happened here. The six um, jars and the measures, it was mm-hmm. estimated to be like 140 gallons of wine. Yeah. those. I don't those, care how big uh, of a wedding party you got. That's a lot of wine. <laughs> what are those huge um, water jugs called? Am- amphorae? Amphorae? I don't know. They're they're massive. They're these great big huge ceramic jars with handles on either side. I mean, we're not we're not talking about a piddling amount here. Like like Superner just said, we're talking just gallon many many dozens of gallons of wine and it's (laughs) estimated between 140 and 200 gallons of wine it's not like christ added a couple of boxes of of wine to the to the to the party here it's like no there was so much wine it probably would have been a sin to drink it all and it and it was the best wine that's ever existed ever and of course the, the the wonderfully delightful exclamation of the head steward saying um you know, mo- most people put out the good stuff first, and then when everybody's kind of you know soused and the palate isn't as refined as it was a few hours before, then you kind of start bringing out the stuff that isn't quite as good, and that's absolutely true. But our Lord, because it was the best wine ever, the the steward was absolutely shocked that you know here we are, here we are, everybody's already, um, already having a very good time. Um, in fact, it's obvious that people are having a good time because they ran out of wine. And so now here comes the best wine 
ever. Um, so there's also an interesting commentary there that in the company of Christ, things always get better over time. Mm, and in mm-hmm. a, in a marriage, even, even if it's not the perfect marriage of your best friend and you're, it's always rainbows and pink, mm-hmm. su- pink shaded sunglasses and all that. Christ is still the third part of that marriage. You get mm-hmm. married. It's a sacramental marriage. You're, you're married at the foot of the cross. You are accept that is your cross in life. Mm-hmm. But if you accept it joyfully, and you cooperate together and pull the yoke equally, as has been referred to as well, things will get better over time. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it's and, always going to be easy, but it will get better and spiritually more fruitful over time as well. Everything in the contemporary culture and the contemporary media is Satan trying to attack exactly that concept. Because what what is the mainstream culture and the mainstream media trying to convince everyone of? That is, you get old and bald and fat and droopy and whatever and gray, that obviously your the quality of your marriage by definition is going to go downhill because you're you're no longer uh, you don't have the physical the physical attractiveness and and robustness of your youth when you got married. But that's a and, lack of apprehension of reality. The mm-hmm. youth is not an essential aspect of, of the marriage. It's the mutual love. Exactly. And the biggest mark of that love being realized and validated is when you take away all of the the um, potentials of youth. That mm-hmm. love doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. It magnifies over time in spite of the loss of all the youth and attractiveness. Yep. And that's why it's right there in the vows, in sickness and in health, for better or for worse, till death do us part. And I'm sure, you know, there are pl- there are plenty of people today who would be absolutely delighted to testify that one of the greatest aspects of their life was the ability to be present for and take care of a spouse um, even, even in the context of some sort of a terminal illness or something like that. Um, not saying that they're happy that the spouse got a terminal illness and eventually died, but that they were able to be there and love them and take care of them and that they loved them more the day they died than they did before the whole, and you know, the whole notion that again, that, that Lucifer's going after is this whole quality of life argument. And, you know, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be tied down and and um I, another red flag that would go up and I, I can't imagine that anyone who's listening to this podcast and is any sort of a any sort of an observant catholic would would hear this but this is a common sentiment among the pagans and the baptized pagans out in the mainstream the notion of um if anything were to ha- like one one spouse or one or one um, courting couple, one one person in a courting couple saying to the other, if anything were to happen to you, if you were to get into a car wreck and be you know a quadriplegic, if you were to come down with early onset Alzheimer's or something like that, or Lou Gehrig's disease, um, I, I'm I'm not going to hang around. I mean, I would expect that you would love me enough to divorce me and let me go and not ruin the rest of my life. Ho, 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 oh, red flag, red flag right there. Well, this, goes back, not... to the, this goes back to the whole idea of correspondence of the mind to truth. And the whole phrase quality of life is a misplacement of the truth. 
It's mm-hmm. not the physical life we care about. It's the spiritual life. Mm-hmm. And one of the, the one of the mem- one of the spouses getting a terminal illness or becoming a quadriplegic does not harm the spiritual life. In fact, there are opportunities for it to grow. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned this back when Tiny Princess was still with with us, is that while she could not grow in grace anymore, she was topped out. She wasn't going to get any 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 higher. She had the fullness of grace that she was going to have in this world, but her continuing to live gave all the rest of us the ability to grow in grace through generosity and caring for her. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with, if you've got an invalid parent or you're, you're caring for a friend or, or something, Uh, even if it's something as simple and a simple annoyance, like watching your neighbor's dog while they go for vacation or something like that, being generous and growing that generosity of soul and being caring and giving, that is the, the true reality when look at look at the at christ look at christ on the cross mm-hmm. that is reality mm-hmm. and that's the reality we're all called to imitate that's a generosity that goes realistically above and beyond what we can achieve because we're not god because humanly speaking uh to endure what christ went through in the passion any it doesn't matter how schwarzenegger-esque you are you no human being has the has the the physical strength to endure that that m- many doctors throughout time have said that just the ability for Christ to survive until the cross was superhuman yeah. the yeah. only the only benefit he gave himself above nature was to suffer more for us mm-hmm. that's reality mm-hmm. that's true quality of life spiritually speaking and to reject that is to set yourself up for failure eternally oh yeah Oh yeah. Well, I I don't, you, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it through this epoch that we're living through right now. If you have a disordered notion of what the telos, the end of man is, we're seeing it every single day. There's people in literally injecting themselves with, with substances that they now know, they know are poisonous because they think that the only thing that matters is just this life. There is no thought to, to the beatific vision. There's no belief in the beatific vision. And, and if there is a belief in the beatific vision, then it's, well, you know, I, I'm saved, universal salvation. Yeah, it, either either everybody's saved or or... If, if we're not, then when we die, it's just lights out and soul annihilation. Again, another thing that anti-Pope Bergoglio has been pushing since almost the very beginning is the notion of um, soul annihilation. So you have this warped, disordered idea, this completely materialistic idea of what um, the purpose and the end of human life is. And that's why nobody, nobody can think straight, nobody can navigate their way through this. We're getting ready. Um, we're getting ready. The next episode we do probably is going to be on this business of the humanized mice and the monoclonal antibody pharmaceuticals and all of this. The and it's just it's stunning to me that um, nobody ever brings up the fact, or nobody asks the question: If you're given a choice between cannibalistically ingesting 
things that are literally made out of whizzed up, murdered infants. Fresh ones, not cells from the 1970s. Yeah, that's right. Fresh ones. I mean, Planned Parenthood, it's just, it's a, it's a huge, huge money, money racket. Um, was it you who postulated that um, Planned Parenthood probably at this point wouldn't even need to charge for the abortions themselves? That's a pittance. They could sustain and be wildly profitable at this point just selling the, the murdered children to Big Pharma. It's Do that, they really that. charge for it in the inner city? Uh, no. Well, good point. I think it's mostly billed to Medicaid, isn't it? I have no clue. I've never gone I to Planned Parenthood in the inner city, but I could I could see where they they might tell somebody who couldn't possibly pay for an abortion. Uh, it's been taken care of through donations to Planned Parenthood Foundation or whatnot. Right. Right. Just it doesn't matter. Let's get let let, let us harvest your 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 embryo here or or the the fetus wow. to sell parts. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to pay us up front. We'll get it on the back end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're um, they're going to get it on the back end, for yeah, sure. For sure. And so barring, no one Barring is, a miraculous conversion, which there have been a couple of uh, incredible miraculous conversions. Um, Dr. Nathan, some, I forget his last name, um, had been, a, I think he converted in his 70s after doing, I don't know how many thousands of abortions. Wow. And I think he lived until his 80s and gave, gave some, some talks about this, but- Grace is there. I mean, St. Yeah. Paul, who literally killed St. Stephen, uh, he can convert and become a, a tremendous saint. I mean, the, mm -hmm. the, the examples are there through church history. Um, to, quote a, to quote somebody uh, very close to me, um, talking about the, the, the best stories, look at the history of the church and the stories surrounding, uh, whether it's the saints or, or just uh, stories about Catholics throughout time, we have the best stories. And we've talked about marriage off and on throughout this podcast, but in terms of those who are married and raising children and, and how, do you, how do you keep them sane and connected to reality and off of modern media and all the rest, tell them, tell them Catholic stories. Yeah. We have some of the most fantastic stories in all of history. Um, one that uh, this person, I'm not going to be more specific other than to say that they're close to me, was telling me about was, was uh, in, in Russia, the, the commissar, the regional commissar, whatever, with with her two or three high, highest apparatchiks, and it was a her in this case, came to harass the the local Catholic bishop, not the Byzantine, but I don't know why there was a Catholic bishop behind uh, the line there, but there was, and and this person was was uh, being the typical, as you would expect, Stalinistic uh, antagonistic battle axe and, and berating the bishop and all the rest, and finally, in a in a show of uh, of anger and fury, told her assistant to leave. I want to question him myself and as soon as they were out of earshot she apologized to me and says will you hear my confession i'm a devout mm. catholic i had to put up that show where they'll report me and i'll be dead i'm trying to i'm, I'm trying to support the underground church and this mm -hmm. was like the <laughs> can you imagine being that bishop at that point in time he, he probably thinks he's about to be killed it's like wait yeah. what wait I, I don't think i heard that right would you repeat that please mm -hmm. and 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 that's just one of so many stories and and, and so many we don't even know about but oh, we, yeah. we have the yeah, most yeah. fantastic stories, and and I remember one of the one of the priests that that I, I've known talked about, you know, as in in terms of fathers of family, especially you've got to you've got to spread the faith to your children. You 
doesn't matter how pious your wife is. The children are going to be pious based on how pious the, the, the father is and how much he yes. passes along the faith. And he yep. mentioned something about uh, every Sunday you should have the dad hour featuring dad. And and the best thing you can do is, is teach Catholic stories. Talk about Catholic mm-hmm. history. We have the best stories. And I forget where I was sidetracking you from when I jumped in to say that. Oh, well, well, let's see. We're going back to Planned Parenthood, selling dead babies. And the question is, if if it comes down in your life, and this is a real, this is a question for everybody today. This is, this is the, the thrust of what's going on. The question is between you engaging in Molochian cannibalism with these, with these murdered children or dying, well, the, ob- the obvious moral choice here is that, is that you should die, right? I mean, oh, absolutely. If if somebody hands you a baby and says, either you kill that baby right now, or I'm going to kill you. Well, I would hope that everybody listening to this would would without any hesitation, say, well, okay, you're going to kill me then. And and would go through with it. I might and contemplate we, saying, hand me the instrument to kill a baby and then jab it right through the eye of the person. Well, <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> but I mean, if, if you're given that choice, cannibalism or you die, then, then the choice, it isn't even a choice morally. You die. It seems to me nobody's even, even bringing this up and it doesn't even occur to people. Um, you know, there are people who are uh, now we admit that one of the reasons that Nurse Claire and, of course, Julie Kolarafi, who came on the podcast, episode 163, and we're trying to jump up and down and tell people about these humanized mice and, and these monoclonal antibodies and stuff is because people legit don't know. They don't know what, what big pharma is doing. And so they don't even realize what they're doing. However, there are a bunch of people, and you can tell this from like that, oh, that, that despicable Legion of Christ priest, uh, Father Matthew Schneider, who's going around saying, well, you can, oh yeah, this is all fine. This is remote cooperation. Any, well, if, if you're going to say that you can't have anything that involves the use of aborted children, you have to say goodbye to, to modern medicine. First of all, that guy is in the Legionaries of Christ, so he has zero credibility to start with. And secondly, okay. he has, he's out of context with reality. Remote yep. cooperation with evil is paying your taxes, not yep. taking monoclonal antibodies. Yeah. So uh, we're jumping up and down trying to make people realize that what it is that they're doing, so that what or what the choices that they're being given with regards to these pharmaceuticals. And guys, big pharma is pushing for everything to be made ultimately somehow using whizzed up dead babies murdered babies the the i i almost think at this point that the mrna um injections are a head fake that they're lucifer's head fake lucifer wants everyone concentrating on that while the real thing that's going on is having big pharma essentially convince the entire world that human life is completely dependent upon the cannibalistic consumption of murdered children. Um, well, and those, it's those, that bad. And those head Go fakes ahead. are going on all over society as well. I mean, you, you mentioned that the, the fixation on the mRNAs is to distract and not pay attention to the monoclonals, which, mm-hmm. you know, 
awesome opposite awesome podcast episode 163 if you haven't heard it yet go hear it share it um you know the 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 spoiler is it's basically Anne and Julie uh, are 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 stealing the thunder of of Charlton Heston at the end of Soylent Green. Yeah, monoclonals are people. Are people? It's made out of people, little innocent people, who were murdered, murdered. It's not like you're taking um, adult stem cells or something like that. That doesn't involve you know killing anybody. No, 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 no. This is one hundred percent about murdering people such that they are they are not baptized um and uh, they're what the speculation is is that a lot of these um abortions are done in such a way such that the the little person is still alive when they emerge um and that they are vivisecting these children there's something about the the harvesting of the organs that um it's it's optimal if if they are harvested while the baby is still alive and so um it isn't necessarily the horrific suction thing that's going on in, um with a lot of especially earlier term abortions that what they're gunning for now is just this molochian get 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 the little tiny fetus out of the out of the mother and then go in while the child is still in the in the last final moments of life but still alive and vivisect it and harvest and harvest these parts and sell them for huge money to big pharma who then puts it into some matrix like farm and and grafts these organs and p uh, pieces of these organs into mice and just start making all pharmaceuticals it's not just these monoclonals uh what's the brand name of it regeneron it's not just stuff with regards to to the coof there's there are drugs um non-veni mark as i as digging on all of this and it, he he says there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pharmaceuticals already that are either on the market or in FDA trials that are being made this way. It's not just Regeneron. It's not just having to do with the COOF. Big Pharma is trying to transfer as much as it can to this production method. It is absolutely Luciferian. So, Yeah, don't, don't pay attention to the head fake. Don't pay attention to the guy behind the curtain. It, it's, it's, they, they try to get you looking one direction. And, and to, we've mentioned the No Agenda podcast many times, but one of the... One of the um, jingles they have is what they call the distraction of the week, and it the, the jingle itself says, "Hey, don't 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 look over here. Look over there." Yeah. And that's with regard to the monoclonals. That that's it, it's a much more devious example of of redirection of interest mm -hmm. um, than uh, something I'm still researching is is five uh, G technology with cellular or mm -hmm. cellular five G, and. I'm coming to the conclusion that cellular 5G is more about surveillance at a very sinister level. Mm -hmm. And it is so sinister that if I was the one designing it, I would want people thinking about something else about what 5G is. And I would want them, I would want this in an easy to discredit manner. The whole idea that 5G gives you um, coronavirus or, yeah. or changes your DNA or mm -hmm. reads your mind or something that if, anybody starts questioning 
uh, the danger of 5G. They say, oh, you're one of those flat earth kooks, right? Exactly. Yep. It's, it's the immediate um, media programming that, that everyone has received. I mean, and by the way, when did flat earth become so common as a dismissive thing? Is it just me or is this really popular in the last 18 months? Um, no, I mean, people were saying that before. Flat Eartherism has been around. It's been on the internet for I mean, it's, it's been around decades. forever, but in terms of being the example to discredit people and lump them in as being some kind of bozo uh, denier of science, it just well, seems yeah, to me I that mean, it, it's, it just it's, seems it's really, the coof. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. It, it's, it's, mm -hmm. really, it's really, yeah, it, it seems to me to be really new. I mean, I don't know. When did Kyrie Irving start talking about this? Is, he seems to be the the exemplar of, of when that became open season to talk about that. But with regard to 5G, I think it's omnipresent um, surveillance. And we'll get into that on another podcast if we want to. It's uh, we, we have all the Q&A for the for the um, for the panel participants. And I've got a few questions about about uh, 5G that I want to get to at some point. But this whole podcast and we're about 79 minutes into it. This all started as a tangent talking about Harry and yeah. Meghan. And <laughs> say, I have now said everything I have to say about Harry and Meghan's podcast. <laughs> well, I, I haven't finished yet because the, the whole point is we're, uh, the Sp Spotify is upset because they paid them all this money and they've done nothing. At least Michael Robinson put out a couple of podcasts before they found out that, well, okay, Michelle Obama, uh, before they realized <laughs> there was nothing of interest in this podcast and they stopped it from being a, a, a Spotify exclusive and opened up the RSS feed to whoever wanted to download it and nobody did. At, uh -huh. at least that human being actually did something. Harry and Meghan are, I guess, above it. Yeah, I've, I've got no explanation. I have no explanation as to how you can be as tone deaf as as those two are but I, I i know the answer it's narcissism narciss narcissists by definition and she's a psychopath are completely devoid of self-awareness and so they she she's the one running the show because he's an idiot and she just has absolutely no perception of any of this and she thinks that there there are still people saying that she is legit talking about running for president like in 2028 or something like that you know it's just it's unbelievable how how obtuse these people are but that's a that's a hallmark that del delusions of grandiosity and um complete lack of self-awareness are two of the hallmarks now in terms of the with her with the delusions of grandiosity i mean she did manage to um she got her pimp to set her up with Prince Harry and she was able to convince him to to fake marry her. Um, yeah, and the pimp in question is Piers Morgan. That's why I mentioned him earlier. Oh, no, 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 no. That's another guy. I mean... Oh, no, Piers that's Mor right. That's, Piers Morgan no. thought he had the monopoly on Meghan Markle until she got into Prince Harry's circle. And that's why, that's actually why Prince, by, why Prince, Piers Morgan hates Meghan Markle at this point because he, he, he thought she was her, his property uh -huh. from a media aspect. And then he got into Prince or she got into Prince Harry's orbit and, and that he, and he lost all claim to that. So he's, that's why he's so ticked at that, those two, which is why I think it'd be hilarious to make him the third wheel. And that would, <laughs> that would, be, that would make me download Spotify again and listen to what's going on. And, and, 
you know, if Spotify wants good content, I mean, it. I'm sure Megan and Harry would hate it. But then again, you know, the the ginger and 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 uh, Megan, they've got nothing else going for them. Might as well. Yeah, yeah. It, it's either that or they get sued for all thirty million plus for for uh, breach of contract. Yeah, and and they they they're burning through money so badly. I doubt that. I don't have any idea how they would even begin to repay that. I mean, just ugh, unbelievable. Ugh. So yes, this this is the Harry and Meghan episode that just got really deep about love and marriage and all kinds of interesting things. So yeah, yeah, very cool. Well, it makes me think. I think I've, I've used this analogy talking about a friend of mine in the past that. Uh, the, the tangents that we went on, starting from Mary, Harry and Meghan, uh, it, it reminds me of, of, of a friend of mine. And I, I say this with no irony. She was the kind of person that if she was out doing her shopping and somebody dropped a dozen eggs and, and broke them, she would instantly go into a, a contemplation of the fragility of life, a very Dominican idea that we would have to have be ready at all times to answer to Christ. And she would that would become a prayer to her at that point and 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 uh, be an examination of conscience is like oh yeah i'm shopping but just the the idea that you know we we can we can start with these <laughs> mundane little things and take off yeah. these wild tangents we've got like 18 more bullet points but we're clearly not going to get to them in this podcast well i mean that was my initial point podcasting is the easiest thing in the world i mean you can lob up any grapefruit you want and if you are a reasonably intelligent person, you can carry on a conversation for, I mean, Harry and Megan, they would probably only be expected to do like 45 minutes. We Ours are usually an hour and 45 minutes, and we usually don't get to everything that we had on the, on the list to talk about. In fact, rarely, if ever. Um, and a lot of times we don't even talk about anything that was on the, on the bullet points of what we were originally supposed to talk about. So, I mean, seriously carrying on a conversation is just about the easiest thing in the world and they can't manage to do it even after having been paid 30 million and like i said i need to just stop being emulous of evildoers and all that because as i said at the beginning if i had seven figures of cash dropped in my lap it would probably be completely personally catastrophic to me so there you go well i'm not, I'm not envious of them one bit i mean that just the fact that they get paid that and they can't do it, I'm just, it just makes me laugh. Yeah. I mean, I'm not getting paid to do it. Well, aside from donations, it, which just covers expenses plus a few things, uh, like Days of Supermom. But um, I'm not really getting paid to do this. And it's a lot of fun. And it's not that hard to do, honestly. No. <laughs> I remember how nervous you kind of were at the beginning in 2017. Do you remember recording our first episode? And oh, yeah. I, and I had, you were I had saying, I, I, don't, I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know how I'm going to do. And I was like, dude, you're going to be fine. <laughs> That's still you online were very somewhere. Worried. You were worried about the the tone and the pacing of your voice. And I was like, Oh yeah, and I, 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 I even like I said earlier, it's like I, I became aware of the fact while I was talking. It's like I'm speed talking here. I need to consciously slow down because I know but, you I know, don't have I a radio disagree voice. with that. Don't don't we all when we do listen to podcasts? Don't we all listen to them at one and a half? Or I know when I listen to myself, and I don't listen to myself very often, but occasionally there's episodes that for whatever reason I need to listen to. I almost always listen to myself at two times speed. Now, granted, I know what was said and I can understand myself and my own 
accent or whatever. But other people, when I listen to other podcasts, oh, I always speed them up. One and a half or 1.75, always. So I don't think that you thinking that you're speed talking is any sort of a problem at all, considering that most people actually turn up the speed on these things. Yeah, but I, I know from experience, people write in and say, you talk too fast. Oh, okay. And, and <laughs> I, always, I always give what I call a QA listen. So once it's published, I will download it and listen to it immediately. I don't care what's in my archive what or what's in my podcast uh, queue or, or, or whatever. I, I, I listen to it mainly to make sure I didn't miss something. Like mm-hmm. like uh, bleeping out the things that um, we don't what don't want to have to you know subject mother prioress to. Right. Um, there have been a couple of cases where as soon as it publishes, I start listening to it in fifteen minutes. I'm like, oh crud, I missed something. Let me go intercept that real quick. Yes, I realized uh, four hundred and twenty people already downloaded it at this point, but um, I'll just <laughs> cover this up and fix it. But that was completely said, random. Boop. Yeah. <laughs> No, we've done well. There's there's no bleeping in this in this um in this one, yeah. In this one. Not not yet. Let's see if we can maintain the streak. <laughs> Let's see. So we are almost an hour and a half. Do we want to contemplate anything else? Actually, you know what? In in the pre show banter we were gonna talk about um or, or bring you had asked me what what was the drink of the evening? Um, oh yes, and yes. and I was going to mention. Uh, I said let's not talk about it now. Let's bring it up on the podcast. Yeah. Um, the the initial drink was uh, Bombay Sapphire Gin. Just a uh, sh- just a shot. Oh my! And that and that is Ooh. in honor of somebody who died recently, and we're going to mention him, or we'll we'll bring up the the uh, the requiem masses that are said weekly for everyone who died. It was just over a week. It was over a week ago that this person died. And I'll say the name, and probably most people won't recognize the name, um, but they definitely recognized the name of the team he created. And I'm talking about Richard Marcinko. Do you recognize the name? Um, yes, but I can't, I don't know from where. Okay, that puts you in about the 99.97%. He created SEAL Team 6. Okay, no, that is not what I was thinking. Of. I was thinking that was some sort of a Catholic um, online something or other. No, Richard Marcinko no. was uh, the rogue warrior. He he uh, created SEAL Team Six, and he just died at the age of eighty-one ish. Wow! Which, yeah. considering what he did in the Navy and what SEAL Team Six and the counterterrorist teams do, um, he, this guy was involved in combat for years on end, mm-hmm. and he couldn't get enough of it. But um, no, he, he he was definitely somebody who was somewhat formative to me in the sense that uh, that was the first book that I read on special operations. And I'm glad that I read that book just as I was getting out of the Navy, not before I got into the Navy. And of course, all the books that, that I've, I've read about special operations uh, since, you know, 9-11 and, as, and especially after the Bin Laden raid, which is when I really started reading all the books on tier one. I am so glad that I read this now at, at the ages that I am now, as opposed to when I'm 17, because I might have done something really stupid, like trying to join those groups. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So Demo Dick was his, his nickname, uh, Dick Marcinko. He uh, and he, he was he a gin drinker, away. huh? Yeah, Bombay Sapphire. It's a it's a blue gin, or it's in yes, a blue yes. bottle. So I had, I had a small um, a shot of that to you know in honor of him and say three Hail Marys for the uh, repose of his soul. But then I switched to the red wine with um, the uh, prophylactic dose of of ivermectin. 
before the podcast. Mm, be, so. be careful mixing gin with wine. That can get that. Well, can be like dangerous. I said, I was I, I, I did a very small shot first, <laughs> okay, just okay. in honor of Demo Dick, and then I had my a red wine with with the ivermectin, and nice. then we did the podcast. So. All right, well done. I just had coffee. I'm pretty boring, but that reminds me. <laughs> I need to look at the calendar. I. I'm doing ivermectin every 10 days, so I think, I think I'm probably getting pretty close. I, my 10-day rotation is up again, so maybe I'll do that tomorrow. It's been a couple of weeks since I had the coof, and uh, I, I took the early doses, well, the, the early symptom doses uh, the first two or three days, and then once I got over the symptoms, I stopped doing it. So I'm probably overdue for my prophylaxis, so I figured I probably should do that now. Yep, and we've I've gotten... Um, a couple more emails from people who, one, um, reporting anti-inflammatory, borderline, miraculous, wonderfulness, it completely unexpected and inadvertent from taking it. And another person, this is kind of gross, but um, if you're taking ivermectin and you get some massive um, liquid bathroom situation going, um, it is possible, not saying it's for sure, but just remember it's possible that you might be purging um, parasites. I think, I, I'm gonna say it again, I think that the incidence of parasitic infections in the first world is far higher than anyone realized. And, you know, I've had, I've had people tell me that they've had, you know, like either, um, a huge bathroom issue that that you know just happened and then was over with or have had just some big huge headache and then they feel better afterwards than they felt in years and years and years and years now can't say that we know for sure and we may never know for sure but I do think that it is at least within the realm of possibility that what is going on is that people who have had latent uh, you know, low grade, not non perceived, certainly not diagnosed, um, some sort of parasitic infection that the ivermectin wipes out. And so if that happens to you, don't freak out. And if you do have good news, if you if you start taking ivermectin for whatever reason, and you know, you stop having migraines or, or, you know, your tendonitis clears up or whatever, drop us a line and let us know. Um, always, always happy to hear good news. We all need to hear good news. And it's just, it's just so cool. I, you know, and I was thinking, I've always thought maybe this is, maybe this is kind of a delusions of grandeur thing. My whole life, I always thought, I guess, especially since 9-11, wouldn't it be cool if you were in some sort of a situation where you were able to do something like, for example, um, land a passenger jet that you were on, you know, the, the captain and the first officer are stricken or killed and there's nobody on the, on the plane who knows how to fly. And so, you know, you go up and say, well, I'll give it a shot. And you, you manage to land, land a passenger jet and, and save the lives of all the people that are on the plane, the 150 or 200 people that are on the plane. Wouldn't that be cool? There are YouTube thinking, videos about this, by the way. Yeah, I mean, this this has happened. It, it, it is a thing. Well, I was um, going to say that the examples I was referring to before I, get, before I let you get back to your point is, is somebody who's brought in un, under false pretenses, yes, but uh, they weren't told the full story, to experience a flight simulator 
And then while the flight simulator is in progress, the pilot who's flying it, it's like an Embraer 170 or a Boeing 737, whatever, suddenly gets up and the person who's on the tour says, okay, sit down and land the plane. And like, what? No, seriously, we're simulating that the pilot just died in a passenger has to land the plane. Sit down and do it. And so they, they put on the headset and they're simulating talking to ground control. Mm, and it's, yeah. they, it can be done. Yeah. Sometimes it, better than others, but it can be done. It's yeah. not as hard as you would think. It's not as easy as driving a Honda Civic, but it's it's not as hard as you might think. Well, autopilot can do most of it. And then um, it's just a matter of, I, th- I would think that the biggest thing would be communicating to the to the civilian how, how to set the autopilot. And then I think, I think autopilot can actually do almost everything. But I was thinking to myself, wouldn't it be awesome if you could be, if you could do something like heroic and save like 150, 200 lives, something like that. And I was thinking about all the good work that Nurse Claire and Dr. Beep and Nonveni Mark, who's, you know, he took the lead on Team Pony Paste and all that. I was thinking about that. And I was thinking that those guys may we don't know numbers we don't know numbers but those guys may have done something like that already there might be hundreds of people who because of the work that nurse claire dr b non-vinny mark etc etc that they did in getting the word out about ivermectin that they have saved a proverbial passenger jet full of people because people were able to get the ivermectin take it and stay out of the hospital and either not not die from the coof or not be murdered by the system, which I mean, both of those are in play here. So um, that 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 dynamic is going on. It's just that it's kind of hidden and it's not. Well, it's not that it's hidden. It's just that it's not as dramatic as landing a passenger jet and saving all those lives in one fell swoop. But they've done that they've probably done that they've probably saved that many lives because we've been on this now for a year we've been on ivermectin now for a year and just people who have been able to read about it on my blog on non-vinnie mark's blog list um you know nurse claire on her twitter and her appearances on the podcast dr beep same thing that you know, you you do have the opportunity to do do things like that, and you do have the opportunity um, to be heroic and to be to be almost great in a certain sense. I remember well. I crossed paths with uh, a person who used to be a fairly prominent trad Catholic talking head pundit, and they they would frequently tell me, sit and give me these just rambling lectures about there there's nothing you can do there is nothing you can do Anne. and the fact that you think that you can do anything is just indicative of massively sinful pride on your part you can't do anything well and, that's a denial of scripture with god's uh-huh. grace we can do anything you have all these high-minded ideas that you can make a difference and you can do this and you can do that. You can't do anything. And I now realize with crystal clarity, knowing you know hindsight 2020 retrospect and all that, that that was the voice of Satan. Now, that person is not possessed, but that was the spirit of Lucifer speaking. And, and 
trying and and I, I never bought it I, I would just sit there and listen and say what are you talking about you know yes you you can do something you can change the narrative you can get information out yes you can do things and I would just say that to everybody and and make sure especially that nurse Claire Dr. Beat non-Venny Mark and all the people out there who have been working on like, for example, the ivermectin issue, who have been working on the anti-papacy, Dr. Matza, there's all kinds of people. Yes, you can do something. And if anyone ever tries to tell you, there's nothing you can do, there's nothing you can do, then you, you just, that goes in one ear and out the other. And as Super Nerd says, it's an explicit denial of, of scripture. Through, through Christ Jesus, all things are possible. And if, if, the triune Godhead, and specifically working through the third person, the Holy Ghost, decides that he wants to use you somehow, some way, as an instrument of something, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And it'll especially happen if you're open to the possibility of it. This doesn't mean that you need to go through life thinking that you have super, that you have superpowers or something, or that you're more than you are. This is where, this is where humility does, in fact, come in. But it also means that yes you do have the ability especially in this day and age where um we do have the internet and we have the ability to get information and we can communicate with literally the entire world for now you do have the ability for now so, i mean I'm, I'm sure they'll, yeah. they'll curtail that at some point but yeah the whole idea of don't quit because somebody tells you you can't do it. I mean, that yep. one, one of the one of the the uh, ideas that came to mind, knowing that you're an NBA fan, is watch this magic. It was it was the the the, the whole rivalry between uh, Larry Bird and and uh, Magic Johnson, where um, in some of those legendary playoff games in the '80s, Magic would do something and say you can't you can't respond to this Bird, and he's like watch this magic, and then would. When someone tells you you can't do it, that should be like the first clue you probably can do it, and uh -huh. you should show them you could. Yep. Or at so, least with the grace of God, you certainly can. And that, that's also a lot of what all this business about, well, you, you are unlettered lay nothing. You're, you don't have a degree in canon law. You're not this. You're not that. You, you can't possibly have anything to say about this. Uh, don't, don't listen to that. <laughs> if you have even the most cursory knowledge of scripture and the 2,000-year history of the church— you know that God, it seems to me that he delights in um, using people who are in fact unlettered, who are in fact um, uneducated, working class people. I mean, St. Bernadette Subaru is kind of the exemplar of this that we all know of. Um, no, St. Peter is the exemplar, well, a, yeah. a, a somewhat illiterate <laughs> yeah. fisherman. The entire 12 apostles. Yeah, well, uh, Matthew was a tax collector, so he was at least educated. He could count. He could count, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it, it seems to me obvious that God absolutely delights in taking obscure, unexpected people and having them do these things. Yes, there are some, you know, great, huge minds that... that um, that achieved sanctity and, and did amazing things. But more often than not, it's, it's the unexpected person who comes along and does it. And that, that means you, but you have to be open to it and you can't uh, succumb to 
despair, which a lot of people are succumbing to, of course, in this situation, thinking, well, there's just, there's just absolutely nothing that we can do. There's nothing that I can do. There's nothing that we can do. That's, that's such a lie. And it's a, because people have fallen for that lie, that's a large, that's a large reason why we're in the mess that we're in, because everybody believes, well, there's nothing I can do. And yeah, don't uh, let perceived lack of qualification stop you from action. Uh, St. Paul didn't, he, he, he wasn't until the second wave of, of, of the evangelistic, um, or he was, he was, I guess you could say a second wave evangelist. St. Augustine didn't come around until another 300 right. years later. Um, it, it took time and those, it took conversions in those cases, but mm-hmm. the conversions came from people who weren't doctors of the law or, or, you know, intellectual giants. And it took perseverance as well. And in, in the case of, um, St. Augustine, it took the perseverance of, of, uh, St. Martha? No. Yeah, St. Monica. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay, I had the wrong M. Uh, his Saint, mother. Yeah, yeah his, his mom. 33 years of prayer yeah. for his conversion. And, and you know, talking about the perseverance of, of you know, Christ didn't affect um, salvation in eight days. It was 33 years. And there's obviously parallels there with St. Monica and, and St. Augustine. But once he did convert, what a conversion that was. Yeah. And, just, and that, that's... And just, I'm, and, and, go and, ahead, and, go and ahead. I was gonna say, even if you're late in your conversion or you haven't really done anything per se to try to convert others, um, hey, if you're still drawing breath, there's pl- there's still plenty of time on the clock. I mean, in my personal life, to make a weird, uh, minimal example, I'm just now getting into learning how to be handy, like handyman stuff with carpentry, mm-hmm. electrical and things like that. YouTube is a big help on that. Mm-hmm. But in the same sense of if you haven't really been active of trying to convert others, you know, there's a lot of resources out online to help with. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, how this applies specifically to the, you know, Benedictus Pope position that we all that, you know, in, in our little circle and a lot of the listenership, I suspect, that we hold. And, you know, the question comes is, are you, you know, are you at this point, this is, you know, dragging on now for going on nine years. Are you are you despairing at all, Anne, that, that, that nothing is nothing seems to be happening and there doesn't seem to be any resolution to this? And the answer is not at all, not even remotely. I have total and complete confidence that the situation is going to resolve. It absolutely will resolve. I don't know when, but it's absolutely going to resolve. And the thing that I would hasten to remind everyone, look, for example, at the speed of events when something breaks. The, the, the past week is a fabulous example of this. Within the past week, the narrative of the coof and the death injections and all that has really started to fall apart. There's, you know, Denmark, I think today within the last 24 hours, they announced that they said it's over, it's over. We're going back, there's no more masks, there's no more mandates, nothing. We're we're done with this, it's over with. When things like this, when huge uh, paradigmatic shifts like this occur, they almost always happen extremely fast. And that is exactly how I can tell you right now, I, I have complete confidence in this. When the Benedictus Pope position resolves, um, it is going to happen very, very quickly. You're gonna wake up one morning and whether it's tomorrow, whether it's years from now, or whether it's decades from now, you're gonna wake up one morning and people are going to all of a sudden start saying, yo, I don't, I don't think Benedict ever validly resigned. 
and it's it's going to happen super fast. It's going to it's going to seem like one day it was nobody is allowed to talk about this and anyone who does talk about it is crazy and then within a matter of hours, 28 to 48 hours, everybody's going to be talking about it and everybody's going to be saying I don't, I don't think you resigned. I think we need to look at canon law here. I have complete confidence in this. Zero despair. We just keep plugging along. I, I'm not giving God any ultimatums and timelines. The divine providence knows exactly how this all needs to play out and how long it needs to take. I mean, it's, it's like lancing a boil. I mean, if, if this hasn't resolved yet, it's clearly for some reason that's driving towards a greater good. There's more pus to be lanced from the boil. Not to be gross, but that, I mean, that really is what it is. Um, and so when the, when the time is right and when the divine providence is satisfied, it'll break and it'll break fast. And I, I, hope, I'm, I hope I'm here for it. I hope I live to see it. Um, it's, it's gonna be awesome when it happens. And no, I have no, um, no sense of despair and no impatience. I mean, that's the, that's the fourth sorrowful mystery, the carrying of the cross. The fruit of the mystery is patience. I have complete patience. I, it's up to God. It is up to God how long this goes on and how long it lasts and when it breaks. And uh, I'm completely cheerful in all of it. It will resolve. I'll so. see. I'll see your fourth sorrowful mystery and raise you the fifth glorious trust in our ladies' intercession. Eh, that too. Well done. Well done. And, yes, sir. And to and to the extent that yeah, it'd be kind of cool to be around to see the resolution of all this. But at the same time, I don't really care as long as I'm doing what I need to be doing right now, and and uh, helping those who need my help for the time being. Ajik what ajik. Do what you're supposed to be doing, and let God take care of the rest. If it if my yakking into a microphone. If help somebody awesome but i'm not going to judge my my self-worth or my my you know my spiritual life based on that it's up to god to figure out the rest of that and, and not know. not going to judge god not going to start shaking shaking one's fist at god and saying your timeline is not to my liking <laughs> or, or, <laughs> some, or something i did all these hundreds of hours of podcasts and you didn't bring any fruit from that it's like <laughs> <laughs> goodness not uh, that I, not that i know anybody like that but no it's no no no, no, no. i, I no. just saying that i do this for, i do this for fun honestly and, and if, if this helps anybody in any way i'm i'm humbly grateful and it's probably not through my personal uh, abilities it's it's the grace of god flowing through me i mean um I, I know that when when Tiny Princess was with us, I, I I wrote some emails and some and some updates that people thought I'm just such a great writer. It's like no, I, there, there was something about her. That was her doing mm. that. It wasn't really me. So I I don't try not to get a, a puffed up opinion on myself because of this because you know it, it the, the the real proof. Of it, if I was an awesome writer, I could sit down and do it again right now, but I can't. So. I try not to get a big opinion of myself, and and that, that that's my point. It's like it, I don't I don't really care if it if it's if I don't see the resolution of all of this. I, I just need to do my job right now, and that's all my goal is. Is like just I just need to do what I need to do, and yeah. it's up to God to figure out the rest of it. And the last time I went to confession, uh, talk about you know going to Novus Ordo confession and. Um, being surprised by by what the confessor says just kind of out of the blue the out of the blue thing that he said to me was don't waste time and i was like oh that was 
probably that was probably our Lord just <laughs> explicitly talking to me. Next next step above that would be our Lord like showing up at my door with a PowerPoint presentation. It was kind of one of those moments. Don't waste time and ain't it the truth. Well, if he showed up with the PowerPoint presentation, that would be literally being surprised by God. Yes, it would. <laughs> that reminds me, I need to go to the I need to go to the general store. I don't even have any good snacks for him. I, I, if if he ever rolls in, I know he's he's a big eater. He was always talking. He was always asking people if they had anything to eat. So I want to be ready if he rolls in. That's a good point. That that that's a prepping point I hadn't quite considered. Yep. I've been thinking yep. about my family and 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 uh, maybe friends, but yeah, I, I got to think about that one. Yeah, he got to keep a tin of sardines or something around at least. He liked, he he sure was all about frying up some fish, you know, or grilling some fish on a on a fire, which sounds really good right now. I must I must need uh, what's the good fat that's in fish? Omega three. I I must be light on omega three because now fish sounds really good to me all of a sudden. Well, I'm thinking like uh, salmon quesadillas or tuna melts. That might that might work. Ooh, oh tuna melt. <gasps> Uh oh. Oh wait. Tomorrow's <laughs> Friday. Tomorrow's Friday. Yes. Oh, oh, you know what I'm eating on you know what I'm having for lunch tomorrow. <laughs> and for everybody listening to this on Saturday's like, darn, I should have had that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Ooh, thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Well, it's I'm looking at the clock and we probably ought to wrap it up. Yeah, we've we've gone a while on, on one topic, so I think we should probably go wrap it up for Thank here. you, Harry and Megan. <laughs> Yes, they haven't done anything for podcasting, but just that one little nugget, we can get a whole podcast out of it. That's right. Uh, the email address for the podcast where you can send feedback, comments, suggestions, or other interesting things that Spotify is supporting but is blowing up in their faces. The email address is podcast at barnhart.biz. The, um, what? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I got confused by my own notes here. Anne expresses her profound gratitude for all of her ben- to all of her benefactors. At least one mm-hmm. mass is said every single day. Plus one traditional Catholic requiem mass for everybody who died in the previous week or weeks as the case may be, since it's been 23 days since we did our last podcast. Uh, please take a moment to join your prayers with the priests who offer these masses. Mm-hmm. I try to come up with a different way of, of expressing this every single time. Um, things are getting weird right now, obviously. Yeah. And people are getting targeted. People are getting eliminated. People are getting deplatformed, etc. Priests Canceled. are not yeah. immune to this. Um, what was the case of the, the, there was a priest in Chicago recently after Supich gave his war cry against anything smacking remotely of tradition of Catholicism. And, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. okay. Of, of Catholicism. And this was a priest who was saying the Novus Ordo, I might, I don't even remember if it was in English or Latin, but just ad orientum, no, uh, um, Novus Ordo, man, he got the right act read to him and I don't know if he got recalibrated or booted, but. Um, the priests and they're, are, they're they're sending they're sending priests for um, psychological quote unquote psychological testing, which is just straight out of the Soviet playbook. You know, anyone who anyone who disagrees with you is is insane. And these these guys aren't messing around. They're they're Bolsheviks, and they're they're going after these priests and trying to get them. Not not just trying to ruin their vocation, but trying to ruin their lives completely by ruin having their mental them health and ruin, ruin their, their mental health. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Ru- ruin their their ability to even think. And of course, once you destroy somebody's um, cognitive abilities, that destroys their ability to make acts of faith, hope, and charity. 
That's right. I mean, this this is just absolutely demonic at that point. And, you, and Anne mentions this being a product of the Soviet Union. It's also a product of the CIA research and mm. training and mm-hmm. uh, fun stuff there. Yet another book I'm reading right now on... I forget the topic, uh, the, the the title off the top of my head, but it's just it, the more I read this about things our government has done, it's the more I'm wondering, okay, bring on the chastisement. We clearly deserve yeah. it. We're the bad guys. But it's pray for our, the priest yeah. because when the chastisement comes down, we're going to need them way yep. more than we're going to need any of the government people for yep. sure. So please pray for them. And don't forget that the podcast, if you're listening to this, there is a, you know, there, there's a, 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 a patron of the podcast. I mentioned St. Tiny Princess earlier. Um, pray to her. We got an email in the last couple of weeks from somebody <laughs> who who um, had, had a, a St. Tiny Princess story. Um, do you remember this off the top of your head? I remember, I remember it, but I don't remember the details. Do you remember the details? Yeah, they were um, waiting for um, a medical procedure. And they were waiting oh, and waiting yeah, and waiting. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, he, and this person mentioned that uh, they finally remembered, let me pray to St. Tiny Princess. And as soon as he finished the prayer, the team came in and said, okay, well, are you ready for surgery? Yeah. yeah. And it's it's, it's, it's not, not that St. Tiny Princess wasn't willing and waiting and, and just kind of giggling and saying, okay, I'll, I'm willing to help you. You just have to ask. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's the spiritual life in a nutshell, too. I mean, God is willing to give us just more graces we can even imagine mm-hmm. and to paraphrase Han Solo from the original movie. I can imagine a lot, but God is willing to give you more than you can possibly imagine. You just need to ask for it. Yeah. It's part of the divine economy that we are, we are participants in it. So yeah, you, you have to ask or it helps tremendously if you ask. That's not, it's not to say that God doesn't act uh, without, um, you know, us directly petitioning. Of course he does. We, and we all can think of, of things in our lives that were, were clearly him acting without us really even being cognizant of what was going on. But um, because we are cooperators in all of this, um, yeah, you, you go ahead and ask. And if you've got that kind of weird Protestant pride of oh oh i don't need anything no no i'm fine i i couldn't possibly i couldn't possibly imagine bothering anybody you've got to get over that because when we're talking about the the divine economy and and supernatural grace you know the way things work here on earth and and not wanting to bother anybody um that goes out the window when you're talking about the supernatural and the divine economy of grace so get over it and ask well and I, I hesitate to say it this way because it's a Bergoglio phrase, but if you are in that in that state, ask, and you might find out that we really do have a God of surprises who is going to surprise you in a way by answering your prayers. Um, if, if yes, yeah, St. Paul was knocked off his horse. I don't know if he specifically prayed for that grace or not, but then he also paid for it for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. The angel that was, a, the demon that was assigned to buffet him physically, his, and, and he requested that to be removed and it wasn't because you know he had to pay it back (laughs) Mm -hmm. so it's probably a lot better to pay it forward in that respect but yeah saint tiny princess don't forget to invoke her her uh intercession um the podcast barnhart podcast is a production of super nerd media and i want to thank a couple of donors a few donors since the last time it's been like i said a few weeks since the last time i did a podcast and via the mailbox pamela who says Thank you to Anne for keeping us informed and alive. I think she's referring to the medical <laughs> advice, ivermectin. Um, 
Alexandra says, thank you for the shows. I learn a lot. And also to KSW. And via Amazon, uh, Chris says, I wish I could send more in a different form. Um, only my prayers and, and, and hopes for your family. You know, you don't have to send anything per se. And honestly, prayers are, are in, in terms of metaphysical translation, um, the, the monetary donations you send in um, for paying for hosting and things like that, that is on one level and I'm trying, you can't see me making hand gestures like down by, down by the floor of my, my, mm-hmm. my room here. Prayers are up above the ceiling higher than I can mm-hmm. reach. And that does don't, don't ever be ashamed if you can't give more. I mean, prayers oh, exactly. and, and the economy of grace and, and the, and, and the communion of saints that we talk about frequently and many times that, that is more valuable. Um, no purchase necessary with the Barnhart podcast and the Barnhart website or anything and beyond that, thank you for jogging my memory. Again, reiterating to anyone out there, if if you are, for example, set up on a, on a recurring donation or something like that, and you need to cancel it because you've lost your job or your utility bills have gone through the roof or the, the government has destroyed your business um, and you need to not give money or stop a recurring donation or anything like that please do not hesitate to do so don't think twice about it in fact i'll i would be i would be perturbed with you if i knew that you were in financial straits and that you had no business giving money to the likes of me and that you didn't do it and that you for example put yourself into debt, you know, caused any sort, even one, one cent of debt to be racked up or something like that. I would be perturbed with you if you didn't cancel it. So just reiterating that, and we, I, oh, I, I hate talking about money. I just hate it. And I hate, you know, seeing the, the griftiness and the insensitivity, um, that, that is part and parcel, it seems to me with a lot of the so-called professional professional catholic world and uh, you know the most we can do is when you see people that are that are not not being their best the least you can do is learn from it and you know do the inverse and make sure okay i am not going to do that i'm going to be the opposite of that um so while while other people are saying give me money give me money give me money i want to remind everybody that if if you need to not give money don't i mean stop it cancel it log into your continue to give profile and and cancel it if you have to if you need to please 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 okay if it's between giving money and giving prayers keep the money and give me the prayers right exactly exactly (laughs) well said and there was an email i want to paraphrase real quick i just finished listening to ann's podcast with nurse claire and um, julie uh I'll see. Uh, I noticed that you used what was it? Uh, talking about the in the near future, we might we may not be able to even use money because of uh, impositions that are going to be placed on everyone with regard mm-hmm. to the death jab and everything. The, the emailer goes on to say, "I noticed that you use crypt- cryptocurrency in donations. So is cryptocurrency an option to secure my money? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, hopefully, I, I made that clear earlier when I was talking yeah. about my interest in Bitcoin with regard to podcasting 2.0 and whatnot. I can make use of Bitcoin and I do use it to, to pay for domains and some, some of the technical stuff behind the scenes. It's, it's not, it would be a problem for me. Let's put it this way. It would be a problem for me if everybody 
only donated in Bitcoin as opposed to the other possibilities. Because then I'd, I'd setting aside the tax questions on it, and I'm not sure about that, although I've got a, an accountant who can answer questions. Um, ideally for me, just a trivial amount coming in <laughs> over yeah. Bitcoin to be able to, to um, work with some, some of this uh, podcasting 2.0 stuff and, and, and learn about that. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, to me, the more interesting part of that is about statistics, not about making money. Mm-hmm. But that as a prelude, because uh, I usually mention uh, at this point of the podcast that nobody donated via Bitcoin. There actually was somebody who donated via Bitcoin this last time. I have no idea who Ooh. it is. It's part of the feature of Bitcoin. Unless they email me and say it was that was them. Yeah. I have no idea who it was, but thank you very much. And with that, I will turn it over to Anne for the Matthew 1720. And joyfully, without any sense of despair or frustration, we just keep praying every day, fasting twice a week if you can, for our fourfold intention, that Bergoglio be publicly recognized and removed as anti-Pope and that the whole thing be nullified, that Pope Benedict Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living Pope since April of 2005, that Bergoglio repent, revert to Catholicism, die in the state of grace in the fullness of time and someday achieve the beatific vision and that pope benedict ratzinger repent of anything he might need to repent of that he die in the state of grace in the fullness of time and someday achieve the beatific vision nothing less will do our lady of copacabana slayer of the pachamama demon pray for us amen and see two hours three minutes how hard was that megan and harry Right. (laughs) Until next time, I am Super Nerd. And I'm Anne. Thanks, guys. God bless. Thank you, Harry and Megan.